0: My name is Simon Carver and welcome to Dagnall Street Baptist Church's podcast service for Sunday the 21st of May. Today is the Sunday following the ascension of our Lord and we focus in our music on Jesus lifted up. Just a couple of notices. The first is to say that we'll be showing the third season of The Chosen beginning this coming Tuesday the 23rd of May at 2.30pm and 7.30pm and all are welcome. Next Saturday afternoon, Marshallswick Baptist Free Church will be celebrating the induction of their new minister, the Reverend Darren Street. We rejoice with them in this new phase in the life of our sister church. Finally, next Sunday is Pentecost, and our on-site service will be an all-age messy church to which all are welcome. And now our call to worship, some verses from Psalm 68. Rise up, O God, and scatter your enemies. Let those who hate God run for their lives, blow them away like smoke, melt them like wax in a fire. Let the wicked perish in the presence of God, but let the godly rejoice. Let them be glad in God's presence, let them be filled with joy. Sing praises to God and to his name. Sing loud praises to him who rides the clouds. His name is the Lord, rejoice in his presence. Father to the fatherless, defender of widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. But he makes the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. O God, when you led your people out from Egypt, when you marched through the dry wasteland, the earth trembled and the heavens poured down rain. Before you, the God of Sinai, before God, the God of Israel. You sent abundant rain, O God, to refresh the weary land. There your people finally settled, and with a bountiful harvest, O God, you provided for your needy people. Sing to God, you kingdoms of the earth, sing praises to the Lord. Sing to the one who rides across the ancient heavens, his mighty voice thundering from the sky tell everyone about God's power. His majesty shines down on Israel. His strength is mighty in the heavens. God is awesome in his sanctuary. The God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. Praise be to God. Almighty God, we watch and wait, we come to share, to know, to learn. Almighty God, we look and see and fail to see. Almighty God, we shield our eyes, dare we see. Almighty God, you were, you are, you will be forever and eternity. Holy God, above and beyond and yet within us, how can we not adore you? Holy God, ready to receive us, to embrace us and enfold us. How can we not adore you? Holy God, we do not always understand you, your being, your power, your love, your guidance, and yet something within us melds with you. Our belief is there, our faith is there because of what we feel and know and do understand of you. Our Lord Jesus Christ ascended into heaven to the confusion of the disciples, yet you did not leave them. You do not leave us, but are forever within us, before us and behind us. You are forever urging us to see the bigger picture, the wider vision, a greater vista. Holy God above and beyond, and yet within us, how can we not adore you? You listen, O God, to our sorrows and our sadness, to our faltering words and our half-formed understanding of your way, your truth and your life. You listen to our confessions, our yearnings and our pleadings when we acknowledge that we have failed you, failed others and failed ourselves. O God, in this moment, in sorrow and in shame, we offer you our failings and our faults, knowing that you hear and lift the burden from us. Heavenly God, you hear our confessions, you feel our pain, you sense the way we are disturbed, and you assure us that we are forgiven. As in the blink of an eye, you wash away our sins and lift the burden from our shoulders. Amen. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1, beginning at verse 6. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. "'Men of Galilee,' they said, "'why are you standing here staring into heaven? "'Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but some day he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go.' Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of half a mile. When they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Here are the names of those who were present: Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the Mother of Jesus several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. During this time, when about 120 believers were together in one place, Peter stood up and addressed them. Two years ago, last week, there was an unusual occurrence in sport. But let me offer some context. One of my simple pleasures in watching football is a moment that sometimes happens towards the end of a game. It occurs most often in a knockout situation, when the losing team will go out of the competition. There are just minutes left on the clock. We're well into injury time and the losing team get a corner. The corner needs to be taken quickly. Time is running out. One last chance to score the goal that will level the game. And so the goalkeeper runs from the other end of the field to try his luck and score. Now the goalkeeper stands out in this situation as he's wearing a different kit from the rest of his players and so it's noticeable that we have an extra body causing mayhem in an already congested area but just sometimes it works and this is what happened 2 years ago alisson becker liverpool's brazilian goalkeeper is an interesting character he speaks openly about his christian faith and he was involved in baptizing a teammate roberto firmino 2 years ago liverpool were playing away at west bromwich albion and they needed to win in order to get through to the following year's Champions League. It was one-all, and already four minutes of injury time had passed when Liverpool won a corner. Alisson ran up and when the corner came over he scored with a header that any centre forward would have been proud of. I have never seen a goalkeeper from my team score like that, although I have seen our goalkeepers run up to the other end and make a fool of themselves generally but there have been a number of bizarre incidents involving goalkeepers. I was just a lad when this happened but it's still talked about wherever two or three fans are gathered. Dogs don't tend to feature very heavily in football matches and it's easy to see why as they rather like to chase after a ball. In days gone by though people might take their pet dog to a match and on the odd occasion the dog will get loose and run onto the pitch. The referee would stop the match while a player shooed it off and then the game would carry on. At this particular match, a dog was being especially elusive. It was weaving in and out of the players and refused to leave the pitch. The Brentford goalkeeper decided to take matters into his own hands, and being a goalkeeper, his hands should be safe. Well, at least that was the idea. But as the dog ran past him, he dived to catch it, but unfortunately the dog was rather quicker than he was, and he missed. The dog ran free and the goalkeeper was left writhing in agony having injured his leg. At the same time as the dog ran off the pitch having had his fun for the afternoon the goalkeeper was being carried off on a stretcher. If this last incident had happened more recently it would have undoubtedly appeared on the BBC's Question of Sport in that section called What Happened Next. This is where sports personalities are shown a video clip of a sporting event And they are then asked the question, what happened next? The point of the quiz is that the future is unexpected. These quiz contestants are being asked to guess what happened next, but the question that I'm asking this morning is about a real future, not one that has happened in the past. I've referred before to Stephen Hawking's observation that we cannot remember the future as we can remember the past the future is always shrouded in uncertainty, in that for any moment in time it hasn't happened. So none of us knows precisely what happens next. I'm going to look at this question, what happens next, in the context of the first chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. This chapter is a summary of the period that Luke tells us was more than 40 days between the resurrection of Jesus and the coming of the Spirit in Jerusalem at the Jewish festival of Pentecost. As well as teaching the eleven, Jesus also gave them an instruction, which was that they should wait in Jerusalem for the coming promise of the Father. This was that they would be baptised with the Holy Spirit. We know the story of Pentecost, but we need to remind ourselves that what God did on that first Pentecost after Easter was still in their future, and these eleven men wanted to know from Jesus what happens next. This baptism of the Holy Spirit... Would it come at the same time as the restoration of Israel? When we think about this future, we see it in terms of the past. God was about to do a new thing in his world, and yet these men were still thinking in terms of a modification of the old world. While not ruling out what they were asking him, Jesus told them that such details were not their concern, and that they would not be privy to God's timetable. He told them just what they needed to know. This was that, A, they would receive divine power, and that, B, they would embark upon a mission which would start right where they were in Jerusalem, but it would continue to the ends of the earth. And that was the extent of what Jesus told them. I feel sure that there would have been further questions if he had remained with them, like, what would the Holy Spirit be like, and do we all have to go to the ends of the earth? But Jesus would be with them no longer. He left them to take up the position alongside his Father in heaven, the one that was rightfully his, but which he left when he was born of a woman to become one of us. When Jesus had left them, there was a period of waiting. Pentecost was 50 days after Passover, and according to Luke, Jesus was with the disciples for 40 days after his resurrection. This means that there was something like a nine-day period after Jesus left the disciples for the last time until the Spirit came on them at Pentecost. And during that time Luke tells us that the disciples spent their time in prayer together. They had a base in the city and it was there that the remaining eleven disciples met along with the brothers of Jesus and a group of women who included Mary, Jesus' mother. As Baptists, I am sure you will be pleased to note that as well as praying, the disciples also had a meeting. A group of about 120 had gathered. Peter told them that it was right and necessary that Judas, who had taken his own life, should be replaced. Someone else who had been with Jesus from the start of his ministry and who was a witness to his resurrection should be added to those who were called apostles. There were two candidates, Joseph and Matthias, but only one would become an apostle. Let's look at how Matthias came to be the one who replaced Judas. Our Bible tells us that when the two nominations had been made, they prayed. They prayed that God would make his man known to them. The method by which Matthias was chosen is not one which we use in our church meetings today, but children in the playground will be familiar with it in the form they use. Meeny, meeny, miney, mo. Casting lots was an ancient Hebrew means of determining the outcome of an event. Stones or other objects which had identifiable marks were shaken in a container, and one was allowed to drop out or was taken out. This was the one which was chosen. Now, this process is not one that should be confused with voting. Casting a lot is not the same as casting a vote. And yet the thinking behind what happened is similar. The reason for casting lots in this way was to enable the decision to be removed from human hands and given over to God. By casting lots, people were allowing God to decide the outcome of an event. While we don't use such a process in coming to decisions in our Baptist churches, we do what we do out of the same motivation – We too want the decisions that we make to be not of human invention, but to be an expression of the will of God. We too bring our meeting to God in prayer, but rather than cast lots, we collectively seek to know the mind of Christ, and so our voting becomes the means by which we discern the will of God. The church meeting is not democratic, in that it is not the people who hold the power. While the means by which we make our decisions may seem to mimic the process by which a democracy works, when the people of God come together, it is God who holds the power, and the purpose of the people is to determine that God's will is heard and obeyed. It is all too easy to sneer at the processes by which we come to decisions in our Baptist churches. It sometimes seems to take forever to come to a decision that one or two people could have reached in a matter of a few moments. Yet this overlooks that the processes that we use to make decisions are designed like the disciples' casting of lots to make the decisions that we make less ours and more gods. It has to be said that sometimes our church business meetings are more like the business meeting of the church rather than a meeting to discuss the church's business. More attention seems to be given to the means of mission than to the task of mission itself. I'm sure you'll remember this story that we looked at in one of our all-age messy church services early this year. The prophet Ezekiel was led by the Spirit of God to a valley which was full of dry bones, and God called him to prophesy to the bones so that they might live again. But this was not an instantaneous process. First of all there was a lot of noise as the bones rattled together as they moved about. Then they became arranged in their correct positions and finally the bones became covered with muscles, sinews and flesh. But still they were not living bodies until God breathed life into them. It's often the case that there is a great noise before anything seems to be happening. Then there comes organisation and order. Finally, it is God who breathes life into the organisations as his spirit comes upon his people. God takes our fallible human processes and he works through them that his will might be done. He breathes his spirit on us to fill us with life and power as we set about his mission to the world. There is nothing wrong with the noise of debate and with administration and structures, providing God is allowed to bring life to the dry bones that we assemble. The disciples cast lots to decide who should replace Judas, but Matthias was elected by God and not by the 120 people who were gathered on that day. God's Spirit was at work then, just as we believe that God's Spirit is at work through our meetings, our committees and our subcommittees. Ezekiel had no expectation that these dry bones could live by his own strength. He knew that only God could make this happen. If we believe that we can fulfill God's mission in our own strength, then our plans will remain like those dry bones in that valley. They may be nicely organized, but they'll remain as dead as a dodo. And so we wait on God's Spirit, just as these disciples and apostles waited for God's Spirit to come upon them. We know what was going to happen on that day of Pentecost, but in every other case as we wait on God's Spirit, we are like them as we ask. What happens next? School shootings in America seem to be happening with increasing frequency. One of the first of these was at a school in Colorado 24 years ago. And Columbine, the name of the school, has become synonymous with the mass killing of young people. One of the most disturbing features of that massacre at Columbine High School in Colorado was the way in which certain groups of people were selected to be murdered. It seems that athletes and Christians were both picked out from the hundreds of children present. Of the 12 children who were killed, eight were practicing Christians. One of the girls who was shot became something of a martyr in her country. Cassie Bernal was 17 when she died, an ordinary girl with ordinary teenage interests. Yet people who did not know her travelled from as far away as New York and California to be at her funeral. And 70,000 people attended a memorial service. What captured the imagination of these people was the circumstances surrounding Cassie's death. A witness to what happened has said that one of the killers pointed a gun at Cassie's head and asked her, do you believe in God? When she said yes, He pulled the trigger. One Texan minister was reported as saying, I think young Cassie's life is going to probably have a more phenomenal impact upon young people over the next 10 years than anything I've seen in the past 10 to 15 years. The Chicago Tribune wrote, She could have lied, but she didn't. She could have fudged or quibbled, but she didn't. She simply said, yes. Cassie Bernal must have been concerned that her confession of faith might have disastrous consequences for her. She made her confession of faith in God before launching into an uncertain future. For every human being the future is uncertain. The Christian goes into his or her future in the knowledge that God is there ahead of them. The disciples and apostles had been assured by Jesus that God's Spirit would come upon them. But they didn't know what this would mean, nor what the future would hold for them. But they trusted God, and they waited. They trusted God, and they were faithful in prayer. And then, on the great day of Pentecost, the Spirit came upon them, and the gracious adventure of their lives began. What happens next? The Spirit of God happens next. God's Spirit happens on an expectant church. This is what happened in Acts chapter 1, and this is what happens to the expectant people of God throughout the ages. And this is what happens to we who are part of his church today. We don't know how God will work upon us, and so in that sense, our future is uncertain. But like Cassie Bernal, we do know that God will be with us. But we don't have to wait for the Spirit in the way that these first century Christians waited. God's Spirit has already been poured out on His Church. Yet the command to us is the same. It is that we are to be faithful in prayer and worship as we wait for God's Spirit to come. As we stand just one week from another celebration of the coming of God's Spirit and the birth of the Church, Let's remember the place of God's Spirit filling our individual lives and our life together. May our dry bones daily be filled and our mission to the world be empowered from on high. As Jesus floats away, those two men in white robes appeared to be having a go at the disciples. Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up to heaven? It's as if they shouldn't be surprised by what has just taken place. The coming and the going, it seems, is par for the course with God. Jesus, who has been taken from you, the two men say, will come in the same way as you saw him go. There are times when God is quite real to us, a presence we can feel and know and commune with intimately. At other times, God is gone, absent, leaving us longing for what we knew and felt before. There are seasons to the life of faith and these are reflected in the Christian church's calendar. There are times of expectation and waiting, times of turning and returning, times of new birth and resurrection glory, times of epiphany of God being revealed to us. But then there is a time, which is the majority of time, that the church calendar calls ordinary time, when nothing special is happening and we're left to look for God among the routine and mundane. But God is not dormant. God is not gone. Instead, God is everywhere, in every detail and in every person. It's up to us, then, to pay attention, to lean into life, to notice life's divine God moments, wherever they might be found. Someone once wrote, my work is loving the world, which is mostly standing still and learning to be astonished. And that's often our job too, to look up and notice what God is doing. The God who has shown us his face and who has come to live amongst us. let us pray lord the disciples gathered to wait just as you instructed their constant prayers rising to you in glory we cannot physically see you but our hearts are yours and as we await your return we constantly lift our hearts to you in prayer gone from sight but not forgotten never forgotten lord we need you our world needs you There is much unrest, our world a battlefield of light and darkness, wars and conflicts are tearing it apart. We pray for Ukraine as they gather yet more arms with which to defend themselves against Russia. We pray for Israel and Sudan and all involved in the ravages of war and unrest. We pray for all those who have been displaced, having fled to safety but missing home and loved ones. We pray for children in Bangladesh who are growing up in the world's largest refugee camp. Their life is one of illness, hunger and squalor. We pray for all those unable to flee and living amid bombing, dreading the sirens and wondering where the next strike will hit. Lord, we ask for an end to all wars and unrest. Blanket the world with your peace. Selfishness and greed are rife and destroying all that's good. Many are still lost, Lord, filling gaps in their lives with selfish wants and destructive desires. They look after number one with no thought for others. We pray for all victims and bystanders hurt by the actions of others. Only you can fill the gap in people's lives. Many are searching for you, Lord, without knowing it. Deal with those who are hurting. Heal addictions. Fill the void with your powerful, life-giving, refreshing spirit. You told your disciples they will be witnesses to the ends of the earth. We pray for all who venture into the mission field. We pray for all leaders and teachers of your word, wherever they share the gospel. We pray for churches everywhere, but especially in our city of St Albans. May all your Christian people, your congregations be beacons of truth and wisdom, shining a light into the darkness of bewildering confusion. We're not all called to be evangelists, but every person following you can shine your light. Unite us and help us, your church, to live a life of witness. May we live in unity as we await your return. Gone but not forgotten, Lord, we rejoice in you. We wait, we pray. Awesome, powerful Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Amen. Piece of music is a gospel song lift jesus higher but first a final prayer send us out O lord waiting expectantly for your spirit looking for signs of your presence with us looking for signs of your work in action support us strengthen us establish us now and in all the weeks to come that we may show your glory and know your blessing and peace amen